Hi, this is Michael, and you're listening to Soma's podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing and subscribing. It's our vision as a church to help as many people come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. This podcast is a vehicle to further that vision. If the content has encouraged you in any way, we'd love to invite you to join us in helping us reach more people with the message of Jesus through this podcast and all that we do as a church. You can help by giving on our website at soma.church. If you're ever in the area on a Sunday, we'd love to host you. For more information about location and service times, you can visit us at soma.church. Church. Enjoy the message. To that end and to that focus, today I want to start off this whole series of Make Room with this idea of pray for more. That's going to be just our topic today is just praying for more. Am I expecting, am I I making room in my life for God to do incredible things? Am I making room in the life of my faith and my belief and my trust that God is who he says he is? Am I making margin in my life? For God to move. And, um, and I joked last service, I said, we're really, we're naming it this series, Make Room, because we want some of y'all to just like go to a different service time. Because 9.30, y'all look around the room right now. No, seriously, take a look, take a pass in the room. 9.30 is even more full, which if you could believe that. So it's like three seats in 9.30. But I'm like, listen, majority of people when they come to try it out to when, you know, when you're inviting family and friends of people who don't have a, a church home, they're going to come to 9.30 or 11.15 and legit we ain't got no room. So we're, we're trying to get as many people, and I know not everybody can, as many of you that can, 8 a.m., 5 p.m., because aside from, like, taking the roof off or doing something else in here, like, that's just kind of what we have. So we're going to make room spiritually. We're going to, from a faith standpoint, margin in our schedule. Let's have 21 days of prayer, but also, like, practically, like, let's do what we can to make room for more people. But we're going to be in First Chronicles today, First Chronicles 4, if you got your Bibles. Where's my paper Bible people? Y'all got paper Bibles? Paper Bibles, hold them up. Anybody? Four of us? Great. Okay, cool. Awesome. So if you don't have a paper Bible um, and your neighbor does, just look on, look on with your neighbor and, uh, or look at your phone if you got version, or look at the Big Sky Bible as we throw it up. No shame. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to get you one. I know we're in the South. You probably have five. But, we're, but if you don't have one, we would love to give you a Bible. We have one for you. Um, First Chronicles 4 is a crazy passage. First Chronicles, is, First Chronicles is crazy. It's kind of a crazy place for us to learn about faith and prayer and God to move uh, boldly in this time because First Chronicles is really just like a list of names at the beginning of it. It's one of those places, like it's kind of like Leviticus. If you're doing your Bible reading plan for the year, that when you're doing it and you get to like First Chronicles, you're like, ah, and you kind of like breeze through that part because it's just names. It's a lot of begots, begot somebody else. And it starts with Adam and goes all the way to David. And it's, it's also like, depending on where you're at in the passage and, and chapter four is a great example where you get there and the types of names that you're reading. It's like if you're in a small group, have you ever been, talking about groups conference, if you've ever been in a small group and somebody's like, hey, read us this passage in First Chronicles 4, you're like, I got that, I know where that's at. You get there and you're like, oh, because this name's like uh, Hazel Pony, Hazel Pony, and Heifer, and uh, Hazobaba, like these are real names. And so you start reading through it, and you're like, what is going on? And then the, the, the guy who writes Chronicles, a lot of biblical scholars think it's Ezra. Nobody knows exactly for sure, but, um, but whoever it is, the chronicler, he names all these names, 600 names, and then hits a hard pause on 1 Chronicles 4, verse 9, 
not with a guy named Noah, not with a guy named Moses, a dude named Jabez. So this is, this is verse 9. It says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. And so the chronicler tells us, man, this is an honorable man. He's even more honorable than his brothers. But then the chronicler also says, he has honor, but his name is Jabez. And the reason why he has that name Jabez is because his mother experienced pain. The Hebrew word for pain is Jabez. So imagine like this thing that you've experienced, this brokenness that you've experienced, like you are, you are saddled with this now identity based on the pain that you caused your mom or whatever. I mean, like imagine if your name was pain, that's legit what they named this kid. Like your older brother's outside pain, get in here. Mama said dinner's ready. Sorrow. Where you at? You know what I mean? Like it's just Drug addiction, get on in here. Like, you know, like you're naming, you're naming your kid after like a really, a really broken thing. And it's like naming your kid Adolf or Jihad or those are real names. I Googled it. Like, but we had, I had a, I had, because that's real. You know what I mean? Like, as I Googled it, it matters. But, uh, but I had a friend, this is a true story. I had a kid at my high school, about four years younger, that his first name was Bud. His middle name was Wiser, last name Miller. True story. And it's like, set him up set them up, right? So, so Jabez's name is pain. And, uh, but what's so great about Jabez is he doesn't just sit in that. And he has the audacity to pray this incredible prayer that doesn't mark up with his identity of one of pain or one of sorrow. And so he's like, man, I know what my name means, but I'm going to be honorable, even more honorable than my brothers. I know what my name means, but that's not who I am. And so here's what he says in, in verses 9 and 10. Jabez, Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. So the chronicler says, hey, here's 600 names. People who've done great thing in the name of the Lord. People who are like heroes of the faith. But let me just stop real quick in verse 9 to tell you all about Jabez because this boy has bold prayers. And so instead of focusing on his situation, notice he doesn't pray, God, that you would change my name. Because God changes people's names in Scripture. Like Abram became Abraham. And even New Testament, Jesus looks at Simon and says, you are now Peter because Simon is crazy. And I'm not dealing with that anymore. Like you have a new identity. And so uh, Saul becomes Paul. Like this is the guy that changes people's names. He doesn't ask for a name change. He asks, he goes bigger. He doesn't speak to his specific situation. Uh, and so he's going to ig ignore the, the request that he would love. Man, I would love a new name. But he ignores that. And what he does, it, it, what's so great about his approach is that he rises above his pain and he asks for the things that God, he knows God wants for him. And here's what he says in verse 10. He says, let your hand be with me. Keep me from harm so that I'll be free from pain. And then all of it that he prays, the reason why any of it matters is because God granted his request. So you want to like take inventory. Like what was he doing? What was he working with that God would grant this man's request? What kind of prayer should I pray when I'm in pain? What kind of, what kind of prayer should I pray when, when I'm told one thing about my life or I'm going through a hard situation or a hard season? What are the prayers that God's listening to? What are the prayers that God's answering, grants his request 
And so the first thing that he prays for is he prays for a blessing. Oh, God, that you would bless me. And King James Version says that you would bless me indeed, which means like five exclamation points. So it's like, it's not like a passive, would you bless me? It's like, oh, God, would you bless me? Like he's yelling at God, asking God for him to bless me. But I love it too because he doesn't give him specifics. And a lot of us, when we ask God to bless us, we want God to bless us in a very specific way. Oh, God, that you would give me this job. Oh, God, that you would let me marry this person. Oh, God, that you would heal my life in this way. Oh, God, that you would. And we're like asking for very specific things. And what's so funny is, you know, God, good and well, God's up there like, that's not as cool as what I was going to do. But like, that's great. Like, you, I mean, you know, I'll help you. But like, that's so lame, like compared to what I was going to do. And so Jabez is like, take, just take the lid off. Just bless me. However you want to bless me, I'm here for it. I trust that what you want to bless me with, we just sang about it, is greater than what I want for myself. Exceedingly and abundantly more than I want. Just bless me. So pray for a blessing. And so I love it because it reminds me when, when Moses, uh, when he goes to, he, he has this encounter with God in the burning bush, and he's getting ready to go and, um, you know, go to Egypt and help usher out the people of God into the wilderness. But he's like, what am I going to call you? Like, what do people call you? He has this encounter with the living God and God's, you know, I'm just thinking in my mind, like God's going through the list. He's like, well, I'm healer and I'm provider and I'm sustainer. And, you know, I am peace that just passes understanding. And I am, he just goes through these lists and he's like, just tell him I am like, just tell him I am whatever you got going on, whatever you need at any given moment. I am that. You need direction for your life? I am. You need me to be cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. You need me to lead you. You need me to, you need me to do what, I, what only I can do with the Egyptians. You need provision. Hey, you're thirsty? I got you. Hey, you're hungry? Rain, rain and bread. Like, I am, I am what you need. And so it's just a reminder that God can bless you in all of those ways. Like, don't box him in. And he desires to bless us. This is Psalm, because some of you don't believe that. Uh, Psalm 512, it says, Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. And just a bit of a context for just like what we, what we believe as New Testament believers in Jesus, that he is our righteousness. Listen, you're in relationship with God not because of your good behavior, but because of who Jesus is. So surely you bless the one in relationship with God, and you surround them with favor as with a shield. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you surrendered your life to him, God's desire is to bless your life. And so... Uh, when speaking of Isaac, this is another, this is another great example. Um, I love the story of Isaac because Isaac, he, um, if you, if you remember back to the passage of scripture where he goes and he's like drilling wells and every time he drills a well, somebody rolls up on Isaac and is like, that's our well. And he's like, okay, but we did all the work, but cool. And so he leaves and he goes and drills another well, water, just like everywhere he goes, he hits water. And, uh, and because people thought, man, they, they wanted the well because they thought the blessing is on this specific place. It's on this specific geography. It's because God used to do a thing back here in the day, like it's this specific place. But the blessing wasn't on a place. It was on Isaac. So it didn't matter where Isaac went. He hit water. And so like in, in Genesis 26, 12 and 13, what happens is Isaac sowed in that land, reaped in the same year a hundredfold. That's a lot of folds. And the Lord blessed him. Look at this language. The man began to prosper, continued prospering until he became 
very prosperous. Okay, so he's trying to like tell us something. Your version may say, your version may say wealthy, talking about financial wealth, but God blesses him. And, and this word prosper can make some of us squirm a little bit, depending on what your angle is when it comes to the Christian life or what God desires for you. God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you in every area, including financially. Hold up. Not so you can have more cars or wear more furs or have gold teeth or whatever, but so that you can be a blessing to others. This is, this is what it looks like. This is, the word in the Hebrew word for prosper is, it starts with a T. It's tselach. Everybody say tselach. You got to like, like you're hawking something up at the end and you're just like tselach. And it's, it, it just means to prosper. And what it means is that God pushes you forward. So here's what prosperity looks like. Prosperity looks like, here's what I can do in my own strength. And then, Selah, God pushes me further in his strength. So here's who I can be just in my own strength as a husband. And then, Selah, God has to show up because I ain't that good. Here's who, here's who I am as a mom. And then, Selah, here's who I am in my career path, in my chosen vocation, in the direction and call that God has on my life. And Selah, he can open up doors and do things in my life that only he gets credit for. This portion is his. That's what prosperity looks like. And he does that not for your benefit directly, but for the benefit of those around you. You are blessed to be a blessing. That's the whole idea. You see it in the New Testament. Third John 1 and 2, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. And so the right way of thinking about being blessed by God isn't what most people think of whenever they think of prosperity. But man, no, I'm blessed to be a blessing to other people. Real, real prosperity means that I have more than I need so that I can make an eternal difference in the lives of others. Because if, if our prayer life looks primarily focused like on our needs, our desires, our wants, again, a lot of us box God into the specific, hey, if you'll bless me, but bless me in this way. But also you just don't ever intercede for other people. You don't ever think about, pray for, focus on others at a small world, but you're blessed. And listen, if nobody's ever told you, you are blessed. You are prosperous. You have more than what you need currently. And what is the more for? Others. That's what it's there for. And so the reason why, this, this is the reason why for us as a church, we try and do everything that we can to operate with as much margin as possibly financially so that we can be as generous as possible. Generous to the community, ministry partners, first responders, church planning, feeding people, pouring into the lives of kids and resourcing them with the word of God. Like you have literally given away thousands of Bibles globally. You have literally fed thousands of people. There's all kinds of things that we're doing corporately as a church because we operate with this idea of making room, making room, creating margin so that when God desires to move in a certain way, we can move in that way because he's blessed us so that we can be a blessing. It's all the way at the very beginning of the covenant that he has with his people. This is Genesis 12. God's speaking to Abraham and he says this to Abe. He's like, Abe, I will bless you. Not for you, but you will be a blessing to others. So does it bless Abraham? Yeah blesses Abraham. But the reason by, the motive by, the, the force behind the blessing is primarily others oriented. And for us as a church, we want to be the type of people that are focused on other people. Because once we come to faith in Christ, 
That's what he calls us to. And Jesus says, hey, you want to be great in my kingdom? Stop making it about you. Like, figure out what you can do to serve the people around you. And guess what happens to your own influence, to your own joy, to your own purpose? Like, you come alive, and God desires to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. I had a guy after the 8 o'clock service today run in and just kind of meet with me for a minute. And he was like, I got a testimony. And so he just came in, and he just told me the story. He's like, four months ago, I started praying that God would bless me so that I could be a blessing to others. And he said, and I was trying to figure out what I could do. He said, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and was like, scholarship a kid for motion. And he was like, okay. He said, so I scholarship a kid for motion. Um, many of which came to faith in Christ, by the way. But so, so he's like, I scholarship a kid for motion. And then he said, like, right after that, like, crazy things begin to happen where God handed me more opportunities and opened up different doors and created momentum in my place of business, literally financially doing things that I never thought I would do. And he said, every time I got more, I just said, God, what do you want me to do with this? And then I just did whatever God asked me to do. And then he just kept giving me more opportunity. It's almost like it's real. It's almost like what he's saying is like a true promise where he says, hey, you're blessed to be a blessing to others. And if you'll trust me in that, like, if you'll trust me as you steward what I handed you, I'll give you over to more. Here's the, here's the prayer. Lord, bless me with more than I need so that I can be a blessing to the world around me. And he wants you to ask for it. Not just think about it or hope for it. And, and again, don't box him in in a particular way, but ask for it. God, that you would bless me so that I can be a blessing to the world around me. Right after he says, bless me, Jabez says this, and it's so important. They go together. First Chronicles 4.10, Jabez cries out to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Why does this territory need to be enlarged? Because if you have more than you need, you need a place to put it. And, and that just comes with the territory. If God begins to bless your life, then your territory is enlarged. Your influence comes with it. Why would you go to God? And here's what some of us do. Some of us pray for God to bless us, and then as he blesses us, we get overwhelmed with the thing that we prayed for. Like, you prayed and asked for it, and then when he answers your prayer, you're like, whoa, okay, cool it. Like, you know, like, I'm uncomfortable with this amount of growth, or I'm uncomfortable with this amount of impact, or I'm uncomfortable with this amount of blessing. I'm not in entirely sure what to do with it. Um, like I, I prayed for it, but I, I didn't really think that you were going to like answer the prayer. And then he answers the prayer. And so, uh, being fully transparent with you in this season for us as a church, as we've grown and God's hand has clearly been on the church and he's doing some things in people's lives. People have come to faith in Christ. A lot of people are energized by church again. We meet people all the time who are like, I hate a church. I never went to church. And now I love church all of a sudden, or here's my friend who came to faith in Christ. or we're just out and just like, it's, it's cool to see God build a thing, doing a thing that only he can get credit for. Because, again, we prayed for it and asked him for it. But, like, 400% growth is, like, a little overwhelming. And so you're like, all right, you're, like, all right, you're building a plane while you're flying it is what it feels like. And I'm not that good, nor am I that smart, my wife will tell you. And so it's like, it's like God, you gotta, you've got to, uh, you know, you got to help us navigate this. And as, as, we, as you've blessed us, you're enlarging our territory and you're creating new opportunities and doing things behind the scenes that only you can get credit for. Back to the practical matter of making room. Because I was only half kidding. I wasn't really kidding when I was like, some of us got to move to the 8 and the 5 p.m. Because there's literally no room in the end. So, but like, also, we know that as a church, what do we need to do as a church 
in order to practically make more room for more people to come to faith in Christ, for more people to begin a relationship with Jesus and his bride, like get established and rooted in the local church that they love and they're excited for the things that God's doing in their life. We got to be strategic. Um, We can't, and nor am I willing to say, hey, guys, we're full. We're good. Because, like, the Great Commission is not a suggestion, and eternity is at stake. And we believe what we believe about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And why would we not share that with, with as many people as possible or make room for people who are far from God to come alive in him? Like, we ought to do everything that we can. So practically, what does that look like? Um, there's a couple things we're going to unpack in this series. And I'm going to tell you one real big one. August 27th, you go ahead and write your, write down August 27th. August 27th, so this is Vision Sunday. This is after 21 days of prayer, so we're going to pray first. But August 27th um, is like a bring a friend Sunday. Bring a friend and don't attend the service time Sunday. <laughs> uh, that guy. But, but just like, what? seriously, if you have to attend this service, we're so glad you're here. But if you, if you can make room, yes, make room. And, but it's like, it's a, it's a vision Sunday where we're going to talk about where we're going as a church. And we're going to talk about this insane building opportunity that we have as a church. And I'm just going to lay it out there August 27th, okay? Because we're not going to put it online. And we're not going to talk about it. We're just going to talk about it in this room, August 27th, okay? But, um, but it's, it's the type of thing that we're going through in this season, navigating the types of things that God's doing behind the scenes that's enlarging the territory, that's really broadening the way that we think uh, around what God's called us to do and what he wants us to do next. Practical peace around enlarging your territory. So God blessed me and enlarged my territory, but a practical peace. If, if you don't know what that looks like, you need to get around people who have a bigger world than you. Because some of you have like a real small world in the sense that you only think about your things, your family, your whatever. You're just like, it's, it's real tight. It's real right here. And even you just have, you don't believe that God desires to do exceedingly more than you would ask or imagine in and through your life. And so it's just kind of like a, I'm just going to, we're just going to make it. We're just going to get through. I'm just going to have a job. If we could get a 401k and take a vacation a couple times a year, if we could just, you know, like you're, you're just resolved to kind of just float instead of God's like, no, dude, I have incredible things in store for you, but you have to get around people who have a bigger world than you do. Cause like hanging out with those people, you're like, hold up, I didn't even know that was an option. And they're like, oh yeah, this is like the next level. Like we're, you know, and so you're like, dude. So just, just, just get around people who have a bigger world than you, bigger faith than you, whose leadership is impacting people on a larger scale. And so, uh, and then give yourself permission to pray for more. Give, like some of us don't pray for more because we feel bad about praying for more. But again, you're blessed to be a blessing because your motivation matters. Like, if you're praying for more for you, God knows that. He sees that. He's not going to honor that. But if you're praying for more and desire to be blessed so that you can be a blessing to others, then he's going to say, hey, I see your heart. I see your motivation. I see your stewardship. I see your perseverance. I see your desire to be used in big ways. Pray for more. He wants to do more. And, and here's why your influence matters is because God does his work through people. This is how God does work, through you. He does his work through you. And so if he's going to work in, in, in profound ways, and he does, overwhelmingly, like what he does is he uses people. Think about 
the relationships in your life. You came to faith because someone else told you about Jesus. Your faith is stirred by the faith of others, at least mine is, and I know yours probably is too. You're sitting in a chair that somebody else bought on faith for you to sit in, for someone to come to faith in Christ and grow into Christ-likeness. So it's like that's the type of, that's the type of mentality is what, what's the more for? And so, so here's what we're praying for. God, that you would, we want to pray for a blessing, but we want to pray for influence. So pray for influence. And I know it feels audacious because it is, but God, that you would give us influence. God, give me influence in my school, students. God, give me influence on the ball field. God, give me influence in the business community. God, give me influence at work. God, give me influence in my extended family. God, give me influence in my community. God, give me influence. You just begin to ask God for more in the area of influence. Enlarge my territory. Why? Because people need what you have to offer in Christ. And you're, you and I are a minister. This is what the word is, actually. The word is ministry. It's living out my faith for the benefit of others. That's what influence looks like. It looks like ministry. And you're a minister. If nobody's ever called you a minister before, you are a minister. If you're in Christ, if you're in a relationship with Jesus, church, you're a minister. So it's not like, hey, I'm going to attend this thing. You know, I'm just going to attend. No, you are the church. You are the bride of Christ. You are called to to, uh, both be the saints and equip the saints to draw people into the presence of God. You're a minister. It's not historically with church, we just got weird. So we did this thing like back in the day where they were like, hey, let's just create two classes of people. We're going to create the laity and then we're going to create the clergy. Okay. And the laity are just like, this don't know anything, whatever. Like they're just there. And then the clergy is like a professional Christians, like vocational Christians. And it's kind of big divider, except when you read your Bible, neither one of those words are in there. What's in my Bible? is that there's a royal priesthood of believers. What's in my Bible is that, yeah. So it doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter what your gifts are. God's desire is to use you in incredible ways. Don't box him in. I love that. I was talking with a friend last night who's a part of our church family, and he is, uh, he's a financial advisor. And I was, I was calling to check in with him on a couple things. I had my agenda in the conversation. He could care less about any of that. He wanted to tell me about who he had just witnessed to. He's like, hey, I just went up to New York. And it's crazy. I just shared my faith with this Uber driver. Because that's a good move, by the way. Uh, that's a good hack. Because if you have an Uber driver, like you have a captive audience for how many ever miles that they're taking you. And you got to rate them at the end. So you know they're going to be like, yeah, that's good. You know? So it's like you just work it out with the Uber drivers. Just be like, just share your faith. And he said, hey, we're doing a series in Proverbs. Hey, man. And you ought to read like a Proverbs, a, a proverb a day and, you know, just begin to like speak life over the wisdom side. Hey, God has wisdom for your life. Apply this. His friend shared his faith. He's like, and then I had a Mormon, I had a moment with a Mormon. Mormon came up and was like, you know, trying to evangelize and that kind of thing. And I was like, hey, how's life going? He's like, actually, it's going really bad. And he just began to like share everything that was going on. He's like, can I pray for you? And Mormon was like, sure. He's like, so here I am, you know, like I'm praying for this guy. And it's just like, so it like, and he was so excited to share this with me. He's a financial advisor who's decided he's not really a financial advisor. He's a minister who uses financials, who uses advising people in their financials as a means to an end. It's a vehicle for ministry. If you're a coach, you can be a minister. Matter of fact, you already are if you're in Christ. So it's just like thinking of it differently. If you're, if you, if you're a tradesman, you're a minister. If you stock shelves, you're a minister. You work at the grocery store, minister. You're a waitress, minister. You're in, you're in school. You're, uh, you're in education. You're in medicine, minister. God, expand 
the territory. Enlarge the territory. Enlarge my influence on people. Help me to think differently around what you've called me to do and, and desire that you would do more than I could ask or imagine. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that's at work in us. So he wants to do more than you could ask or imagine, and here's how he does it. You've come to the end of yourself, and then Selah. So this part is his part, and that's where, he, that's where he does his best work. You're fully dependent. You need him. Oh, man, God, I need you to, to walk with me through whatever it is that you're asking me to do next. But God, enlarge my territory. He wants your world to be bigger. And so the question is, how does God let me know what, what that more is for my life? How do I know what that is? And the Bible tells us what happens when you and I desire more. The Bible tells us what happens when you and I are in a place of revival, what revival looks like. Everybody loves revival. Nobody loves sackcloth and ashes. Everybody loves, everybody loves the move of God. Nobody really loves, you know, um, repentance and brokenness and the things required to get to this place. But, but what, what happens when we desire God to move in a big way and then God's hand shows up and he moves in a big way? Acts two seventeen tells us, in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all, all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And prophesy just means, man, they'll begin to say what I say. <laughs> they'll begin to align with what I've already said for their lives. And sometimes even for what's to come and the young men will see visions. The old men will dream dreams. In other words, the language of the Holy spirit is dreams and visions. And so Lord, let me see what you see so that I can pursue all that you have for my life. That's the prayer that we need to pray. Lord God, give me eyes the way that you see people. Oh, help me to see people the way that you see people. And when you see people the way that God sees people, you're excited to serve them. You don't make them a means to an end. You see them as like, man, they're image bearers. God created them. God has incredible things for life. Even when they can't see that for themselves, God, give me eyes to see people so that I can pursue all that you have for my life. Jabez says, bless me, expand my territory, increase my influence. And then he says this in 1 Chronicles 4.10, let your hand be with me. Why would he pray for that? What, what, is, what is he talking about when he's talking about let your hand be with me? He says, hey, bless my life. Enlarge my territory. Ooh, and as you do, I got to stay with you because I can't hold it. Um, man, God, you'll bless my life in such a way and enlarge my territory in such a way that only you can get credit for the things that you're doing in my life. And I need you because it's going to get overwhelming. It's going to be like, What? Are you kidding me? And he's like, yeah, but just keep your hand on me the entire time. Jabez says, I don't want to be anywhere that you're not there. If you leave, I leave. If you stay, I stay. I want to be where you are. That's where the blessing is and the enlarging of the territory is, wherever he is. So you're like, hey, man, like relationship. Man, if he's not in it, don't go. Job opportunity. If he's not in it. Don't take it. Yeah, but it looks amazing on paper. I'm making three times what I'm making. It doesn't matter. If he's not in it, don't go. What about if I purchase this thing or go to this place or whatever? Jabez says, hey, I don't want to have anything to do with it if your hand's not on it. 
And so anything you try to get without God in your life, even if you get the thing, you go crazy. So I know people who are successful by worldly standards, and yet they lack purpose and they lack all the things that we're talking about, blessing and everything. They lack fulfillment and joy in their life. That by worldly standards, they've done all the things, and yet none of it matters because God's hand is not on them. If you look at Saul in Scripture, great example, Samuel anoints Saul, and he set apart Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of God is on Saul's life. But then Saul, out of disobedience, uh, the anointing is removed. Not so much for disobedience, but for lack of repentance. So, like, sure, like, he disobeyed, but also he just never, Bible tells us, never repented. And so his hand is removed from Saul's life. He still keeps the palace. He still got a crown. They still got a song about him. He still got a chair, got a nice chair, got an army, got all the things you got when you're king. None of it, man. He still goes crazy. Why? Because the hand of God is removed from his life. And so here's what we're praying for. We're praying for his presence. So we're praying for his presence. Acts eleven twenty one. The Lord's hand was with them, and then a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. So it's an anointing. Again, it's that difference between here's what I can do. I'm smart. I'm strong. I can do it in my own strength. And then this part is like, yo, only God. That is crazy. Like, that's insane. That's, it's set apart in that way. Anointing is living my life with God's power so that I can live a supernatural life. And why does God allow, why does God allow for that or desire that for me and for you? Because it gives testimony to the faithfulness of Jesus in our lives. Really, because it just testifies to who Jesus is. If God's doing a great thing in your life, again, it's not even about you. It's about Jesus in you and God's desire is to draw people and attract people to the Christ who lives inside of you by his spirit. And so 2 Corinthians 3, 5, and 6, it says this. This is what Paul says. Not that we're competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. Our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, not of the letter of the law, but of the spirit for the letter kills. Man, listen, doing religious things and being, you know, dead works and you desiring to do things in your own strength that does not last. But the spirit of God gives life. And so the prayer is, Lord, let your hand be on me because what you've called me to is too big for me. Let your hand be on me. Help me to be competent in you by your spirit. And so it's taking a posture of saying, God, I can't do it without you. And that's the reason why we have 21 days of prayer. That's the reason why I'm asking you to pray in this season. And again, if you don't do anything else that we ask you to do as a church, if you would just pray for 21 days and then watch God work in your life over the course of those 21 days. Act like you're dependent on him for just a minute and see what happens. Act like you need him for just a minute. And watch the ways that he moves in your life. Pray for blessing. Pray for an enlarged territory. And pray that the hand of God would be on your life. And then watch what he does on the inside of you. And that he does through you as you do that. And so some of us uh, are in a season where we feel like the assignment that God has in front of us is too big. Like you feel inadequate as a mom. Because it doesn't even have to be big. I mean, like on paper, big things. Being a mom is big things. You feel inadequate as a mom. Or you feel inadequate as a husband or at your job or with your relationships or in the area of finance and you're going, I can't do it. And, and in your own strength, you can't. Like there's no way 
for you to, to be the wife, for you to be the parent, for you to be the leader, for you to, to live out your purpose and your vacation, the way that God's designed for you to, aside from his hand on your life. The frustrations that you experience, the problems that we're having, the things that we keep hitting our head up against the same walls is because you're trying in your own strength instead of going, man, I need your presence in my life. Lord, let your hand be on me because what you've called me to is too big for me. And so I love it because Jabez says, God, I need blessing. I need influence. I need presence. And if you get more than what you need, a world bigger than you, which is in large territory, and then God equ equips you to do it, Jabez says, hey, here's the last thing I need because as I do this and I take ground for your kingdom, like I know the enemy's real. And so... He says, hey, protect me. If you're under the, matter of fact, if you feel like you're under attack in this season, if you're under, under the attack of the enemy right now, man, that might be one of your greatest compliments. <laughs> like, if you're, if you're not butting heads with the devil, you might be walking with them. And, and a lot of people don't like the idea of talking about hell or talking about an enemy or talking about the devil. And some of the same ones that don't like talking about it. We'll talk a lot about Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, all the biblical promises for our life, the idea of a future eternity and hope of heaven. And yet Jesus talks a lot about hell and a lot about the enemy. Like also like, I mean, like really key passages of scripture where he's going toe to toe. And prayer primarily is warfare. That's what it is. Look at 1 Chronicles 4.10. He's praying to God, keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. So here's what we're praying for. We're praying for protection. Jabez says, hey, bless me. We pray for a blessing. He says, hey, enlarge my territory. I'm praying for influence. He said, hey, I need your hand on my life. I'm praying for the presence of God. I also need you to protect me. Keep me from evil. This is 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. It says, be alert and of sober mind. This is New Testament. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Then it says, resist him, standing firm in the faith. And that's so encouraging to me because it's a reminder, hey, you have an enemy. The enemy's real. Also just a reminder that your enemy is not flesh and blood. Your enemy is not your spouse. Your enemy is not your coworker. Your enemy is not the person sitting next to you. Your enemy is not the person that said that thing about you, did that thing to you. Uh, any, and it doesn't matter to what degree because the thought is, oh, but they abused me. It's like, that's not your enemy. You have an enemy. You have an enemy. And it's a spiritual enemy. And so don't be freaked out by that because the Bible also tells us that Jesus has accomplished everything he's needed to accomplish in his death and his resurrection. Literally, the head of your enemy is under his foot. Luke 10, 19 says this, I've given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. So here's the prayer. Lord, strengthen me in and rescue me from every attack of the enemy. And it's real talk. And we don't like it and we get weirded out by it and we're trying to justify all the things you're excused away. But sometimes like just like there's a lot of things in your life that are jacked up right now that are just spiritual. 
And it's just like, man, pray and ask God to intervene, to protect you. So do we have pain? Yes, we have pain. And it's real that we go through. Is our circumstance, the thing that we're in currently right now, like a big deal to God? Yeah, he cares. And he asks you to take every care to him, any doubt, any frustrations, any care. But I love that Jabez has the audacity to go around his situation and say, you know what? I'm praying what you want for me. Bless me. Give me over to influence. I want your presence in my life. Protect me. And so for some of us, uh, you're convicted in that you're, you're hearing from God and you, you felt far from God. You, you hear things like, man, the presence of God in your life and you go, well, you know what? I don't feel empowered at all. I feel like I am consistently like operating here with never having God breathe on my situation, God prospering me in the area of uh, blessing my life and so that I can bless others or like enlarging my territory. I, don't, I just don't sense that like relationally I'm in the same place as Jabez. And I'm just frustrated because I do things a lot for God and I try to be good and I try, it's just not, not the same as what we're reading about. And I believe that what God wants for every single person in this room, it's not like a few. So again, you're a, a priesthood, a royal priesthood of ministers. So it's not like a handful of you, like God's got his hand on a handful. God has his hand on you. And it's just like his desire is for you to figure out, okay, everything that he's given me is not primarily for me. And I'm actually gonna benefit the most and come alive the most when I realize it's not for me. And then he's gonna enlarge my territory as I'm a conduit for the, way that he, the ways that he blesses my life. He's gonna enlarge it. And then it's gonna get so big, like my impact and my influence is gonna get to the point where I go, ah, like never, lift, never let your hand off, never let go. Cause like, this is the sweet spot. This is where I want, where, anywhere you go, I wanna go. I wanna be right where you're at. God, protect my life, protect my family. These are the things that we need to be praying over over the next 24, 21 days is pray over those four things. Pray for blessing, pray for influence, pray for his presence and pray for protection. Then then watch God work. I can't wait to hear the testimonies. Like I cannot wait, write them down. Like it won't even take you 21 days. Tell me next week, like just write them down for the ways that God's gonna move in your life. And, um, and, and I don't know that his desire is to do great things in and through us as a church family in this season, but we gotta make room. Do you have the faith that God desires to do the same things and answer your prayer the way that he answers Jabez's prayer? Do you, do you, you gotta make room for more faith? You gotta make room for, you gotta have some margin in your schedule for the things of God. Do you prioritize him? Do you worship him? Do you pray? Do you spend time in his presence? Are you after the things of God? Make room for other people in your life. His impact and the influence that you're going to have is going to be through people. And so think on that. Ask the Holy Spirit, okay, what, what are my marching orders? What's my next steps? Let me pray for us as we close. Father, thank you so much. God, for your word, thank you for the opportunity to gather as your church family. And Holy Spirit, thank you for speaking directly to our situation this morning. God, for stirring our faith. You desire more for us. Some of us have settled. Some of us are comfortable. 
and comfort and growth don't go together. The things you desire for us require risk, require faith, require for us to trust and depend on you. And so would you lead us in this season what it means to be blessed, what it means to have influence, what it means to have your presence and God have your protection on our lives, on our homes, on our families. If you're here and you know you just feel far from God, like God's already spoken specifically to you. He's been working on you in this season. And you, ju you just go, man, I, I am sinner in need of a savior. I am broken in need of all that God has for me. And listen, you got to start with a relationship. Start with a relationship. Start with laying down all of the old, all the old self, all the shame, all the predispositions to struggle. Come to Christ and say, Jesus, in exchange for my brokenness, in exchange for my disobedience, God, in exchange for my selfishness, would you give me your eyes to see? And just surrender your life to him. The moment of your salvation is when you finally have that moment that you realize that you need a savior. The Bible tells us to, that it's uh, by faith, it's by the grace of God through faith that he saves us and, and that we're supposed to confess him as Lord, to, to literally tell other people, this is who I am and what I believe. And so I'd love to lead you in a prayer this morning if that's you. You're, you just say, I need Jesus. I'm so tired of doing this in my own strength. I need to come alive in him. I want to experience salvation. With all of our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning, if that's you, say, I want to start a relationship with Jesus. Would you just lift your hand in the room and say, I know I need what, he, what he's paying for. Amen. Amen. God, thank you so much. Is there anybody else? Just lift your hands if that's you. Amazing. Yeah, for those who feel, for those of you that raised your hand and you just feel that on your life, you just say, man, I know this moment's for me. I know God literally brought me here in this moment. He's been working behind the scenes so that I could sit in this chair and I could hear this message. God could speak directly to my situation so that he could rescue you, so that he could redeem you, so that he could remind you that you're loved and you're a daughter and you're a son of his and he has great things in store for you. He wants to bless your life. He wants to enlarge your territory, give you over to his presence and protect you. But if that's you today, just say, Jesus, thank you so much for loving me. God, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for the cross, but thank you for the resurrection, God, that you claim victory over death, hell, and the grave, and I claim that today. I see you for who you are, and I believe you. I believe that you are who you say you are. And now, God, if you would lead me, if you would inhabit, if you would come and dwell inside of me by your spirit, and God, lead me moving forward by your word, what you've already said, what you've already written, and by your spirit, just give me direction for my life. And help me to not settle, but help me to just make it about others. There's many people who need this moment that I'm having right now. And if that's you today, you're going to feel more joy, more freedom. You're going to feel more alive than you've ever felt, knowing that every past sin, every bit of brokenness in your life, all the shame, God's desire is to just peel that off, just strip that down. And you start with a blank slate. There's just like a newness of life attached to this moment for you as a follower of Jesus. And his desire is to use you to help as many people, help get as many people as you can to know God so they can find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. That's all in your life. You are a minister. You are a minister. So God, thank you for your work today. 
God, thank you for this series, all the amazing things that are going to take place. God, the miracles, we're full of expectation. Just you're going to work in incredible ways, Lord. We love you. We celebrate you today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said amen. Let's stand. Let's worship together.